This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Talking Devils podcast, brought to you by TalkingDevils.co.uk, your number one independent Manchester United podcast. Damn, feels good to say that every week. Um, well, I'm joined here by Wayne Barton, and also we will be joined by Lee Lawrence and Phil Marsh as well. Lee, Lee just cut off there briefly. Um, we are here to pre- uh, preview Manchester United versus Brentford, Eric Ten Hag's um, second game in the Premier League. Also, we'll be talking the latest news regarding Marcus Rashford. And also, we will be chatting and um, obviously starting lineups and all other related Manchester United news. So, do smash like the video, guys. Do subscribe on YouTube, but also on our audio platform as well, whether that's Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you may um, find our work. But, Wayne, first of all, I haven't seen you since a couple of weeks ago in Manchester. How's the form, pal? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, glad to talk football with you guys. Obviously, Moonlit. For you last week on the pod, so Lee and Phil had to put up with me. Good to see you back. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm good. I was uh, I was a bit unwell actually. I was unwell when I came back from Manchester, but yeah, I'm doing good. Spirits are good. Back to work and um, look back talking about my uh, United. That you know, I suppose when the doctor was saying to me, your blood pressure is high, and I was like, yeah, it's probably because I'm Man United. I said the other day, but look, here we are. Um, here to talk United. Today. Hopefully, they don't disappoint me. Uh, too much this weekend because I, I know I do get proper wound up about the team, but here we are. Um, Lee, haven't seen in a couple of weeks, pal. How's the form since uh, you know, the, the defeat against Brentford last weekend? Oh, good, mate. Same old, same old. Pretty much like uh, the starting 11. Same old, same old, mate. Uh, not many things changed, does there? Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be on, guys. Glad to be speaking to you both today. Uh, glad to see you back fit and well, keen. Uh, just to let you guys know, I had a little game of football myself on Sunday. Thought I could do what I could do 11 years ago, and I still can't feel my legs in my back now. So uh, definitely won't be getting the boots out anytime soon again. Oh, I, I was I was banking on you getting on the boots to replace Luke Shaw on the weekend, but look, oh, I'll, have take, I'll have to take you out my predictions this weekend. Yeah, I, I did the, I did the first 10 minutes, and I thought, do you know what? I'm not doing so bad here. After about 15 minutes, I couldn't breathe. I was asking for my subs off after 40. I was like, I'll be done. Get me off. <laughs> 
Oh, stop. And also as well, um, this, I know Phil will be on the podcast soon, but also sending the best wishes to Phil as well, obviously recovering from his own injury, playing football as well. Hopefully Phil gets well soon and gets back um, on the pitch as well very soon. Um, I suppose we dive straight into it, lads. Obviously, we returned to the pitch. We returned to Old Trafford last weekend. Obviously, the Premier League kicked off um, last weekend. Um, obviously, 2-1 defeat to Brighton. Consequently, you know, there's been a lot of noise around the football club and obviously around transfers also. Um, obviously, about protests, stuff like that. Wayne um, covered a great show the other day in regards to the Glazers Out movement. Do check that out as well um, later on. But I'm going to dive straight into Marcus Rashford, guys, because that seems to be kind of the biggest talking point um, in the last couple of days. Uh, apparently, there's interest from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, this interest has kind of revived after a couple of years ago. You know, they're interested in him when Thomas Tuchel was their manager, now it's revived um, at this moment in time. Eric Ten Hag has come out today and said that he's Marcus Rashford is pretty much um, part of uh, Eric Ten Hag's rebuild going forward. Um, Wayne, just, just on the Marcus Rashford reports, obviously he's he's kind of had a stop-start, I suppose, 12 months, um, post-Euro 2020. Um, where are you at in terms of his interest? Because obviously there's no smoke without fire, and like essentially... His agent and his brother have been talking to PSG, and he's obviously one year left in his contract. And the, he has been subject to, I suppose, a lot of abuse from sections of the Manchester United fan base the last 12 months. Like, where are you sitting on this Marcus Rashford story at the moment, and what are your feelings about it? Season when he wasn't playing well. But they weren't getting on his back to the point where he's unpopular. Do you know, they, they were frustrated because they wanted him to do well. And, um, you know, that was the aim every time you saw him go on the pitch, you were willing him to do well. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, there, there was a section of the, the an element of the support where they would groan if he came on. Do you know, you do get that sometimes with some players, um, but I don't think they're particularly on his back or they've turned against him at all. Um, everyone wants to see him do well. The goal that he scored against West Ham, the last minute winner, um, I think everyone. Everyone, definitely me included in that, we really hoped that it'd be like a confidence boost for him, that it'd really kick him on. And maybe for a game or two, it looked like it might, but then, you know, it was very much the anomaly over the season. Um, you, you said 12 months that his, his form's been, you know, dodgy. I, I would probably say close to 24. Um, he, you know, he, he had a great run of form, and I think it was just before lockdown um, where he was scoring loads of goals. He scored the that free kick against Chelsea. I always talk about this because I think that was right in the middle of the, the run of form where he was right at the start of it. Um, that amazing free kick that he scored from so far out. And I, at the time, I, I wondered if, and I actually wondered this publicly, I put it on record, if that would be his Ronaldo moment. And what I thought by that, I didn't mean that he's going to follow the same kind of trajectory as Ronaldo to become one of the best players in the world. But if his if his form would accelerate to such a point where, you know, that he'd be the main man in the team and you know that he'd be one of the best players in the country because he certainly has the talent for that. The thing is, people have to keep remembering this. Rashford didn't break through into the team as a, an unstoppable player in the reserves. He got his chance through. Um, Fortune really. There's nothing wrong with that. Lee will attest to this. That's how most young players get their chance in the first team when a few injuries crop up and this unexpected opportunity pops up. That's why it was like for Rashford. What I'm trying to say is that he wasn't scoring goals at such a prolific rate in the youth and reserves. He was knocking down to be included in the first team. There were some injuries that came up 
And when once he got into the first team, his temperament was so good once he was in there that he was scoring goals for fun. And obviously, he was, a, he was in the first team pitch from then on. Um, so we've always wondered what his upper ceiling is, where he's going to go, how far he's going to go, what his actual um, level of ability is in the, in the United team. Is he, a, is he a bona fide starter for Manchester United? Is he a bona fide starter for England? All of these things, I think, we're still trying to work out. And obviously, he's at an age in his career where they want to everyone involved and United are involved in this as well. Everyone wants to maximise his potential, but they, all it, Marcus's representatives will be looking at it from his personal perspective to maximise this contract opportunity that's coming up for him to try and maximise his value. And at the moment in time, if you're going to maximise his value on form, it's not going to be very good. He's not going to get an increase in... They're not going to offer him a bumper increase in his salary for sure. So the best way that his representatives can make him look appealing is to make, you know, make sure that there's offers from elsewhere, interest from elsewhere, like Paris, for example. I think that's what's happened here. Yeah. I think they've gone and talked to Paris. I think I do think his brother and representatives are going to talk to him. All the reports seem to suggest that happened last week. Um, I think it's a negotiating tactic to get this bumper new contract. But United have to be very, very careful in this situation because. I don't think that they can afford to be going down that road. Not because I, th- I don't think that Marcus could achieve that or go that distance. I just think at this moment in time, to commit to let's say five years on an increased salary, let's say three hundred grand a week, let's say that this is the form that continues. You're investing in the last two years to happen for the last three years, which is exactly the same principle as I've been saying for Martial and for Pogba. Giving him a new contract is expecting the last two or three years to happen. Um, so that's my concern is that he hasn't earned it on form. I don't think it's a great idea if United get lured into the idea that he's, you know, he's he's been um, covered elsewhere. Because I would be tempted to, bluff, show, you know, call their bluff and say, "Show me the colour of their money." Then you know, show me what their interest is. Because at this moment, although I want Rashford to stay at United, and I think that he can improve, and he, I think if he gets back to his form, like we, he seemed to suggest that he might in pre-season. Um, obviously, competitive football is a very different animal. But um, as he seemed to look like he was going to do in pre-season, then he's an asset to United. At this moment in time, though, if Paris put in an offer of 70 or 80 million, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? To me, I think it's actually quite appealing transfer opportunity for us. You've kind of rounded that up really well, Wayne, with everything you said there. I I totally agree with. And I'm not just saying that because you said it. It's everything I was thinking in my head with what you were saying um, in my opinion like I've mentioned so many times on this podcast I want the lad to do well you know what I mean uh, I, I, every time he gets on the ball I'm wanting him to look good I'm wanting him to get back to that form what he was back like say two years ago um, I just I just get the feeling he's peaked a little um, with the obviously we've all, we all know the ability he's got and the natural the natural talent what's in there but I just get the feeling that he, he, you know a couple of seasons ago when he was he was carrying us you know for a couple of seasons, really, I think that was it at his peak. Do I see him getting back to where he was? There, I don't think he will, and I, I think it's going to go down to who we can sign. Um, let's say if they're, they're going to offer 80, 90 million for for Rashford, and then we've, we obviously we've mentioned Anthony. There's this gap core guy now. You know, um, if we can bring in players who we feel is going to improve our squad, um, it's a tricky one. Like say, because a local lad, and you don't want to see a local lad go. You want to see the local lads do well and thrive, but. You've got to think of the squad now, and um, 
it's it's definitely something what I would consider if I'm being honest. And I, I, I didn't think I would have said that last year, but if we can get that type of money for Marcus Rashford on the form he's on and the form has been on for a long time, then yeah, I'd probably have a look at it if I'm being honest. Do you know what as well? Like there's the caveat of the fact that United have the option to extend the extra year with the with it. So if United are to get the value out of them, like the smart decision here, like I hate kind of advocating for this sometimes, but maybe trigger that extra year. And you know, you trigger that extra year and then give them this season and see if you can maximize that value. You know, um, it's one of them where well, I, I, well, do we do that though? You're going on, on his ability, aren't you? If, if, you know, if yeah, absolute stinker of a season again, there's that 80 million drop to 40, 50 million. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's that's the risk, and that's yeah. the risk United to be taking, Lee. I think that's the risk United will be taking if we did extend to that option and um, for the extra year. Stuart's here in the comments, and I don't know if you agree with this, guys. I said, I said, start the window, we'd end up with Neymar. I think with Cristiano at the club, that's not going to happen. Um, I think. Neymar's wages would be a bit too extortionate for Man United at the moment. We're, we're a bit skint at the moment, and that's not down to ourselves, that's down to the boys who own us. But, um, yeah, like it, it's one of them where I want him to succeed, and I think he can be that player. And, like, he has shown under, especially under Solskjaer, um, he was brilliant. Um, like, between himself and Bruno, like, they like that partnership they they connected, they were brilliant. And I remember, Wayne, you brought up that season as well. Um, him and Martial were like almost telepathic in terms of how they moved and how they score goals. And like, I think for me, if you look at the development of Rashford, and I'll actually bring Martial in on this as well. When we brought in Alexis Sanchez, I thought that stunted the development of the two of them because they were on pretty great form then. And, and look again, we, we talked about the Alexis Sanchez signing here in the podcast before, how, how detrimental that was to their development. But that kind of 18 months really. I think damaged Rashford because he was moved on to the right. He was played up front. He was always kind of all over the place. And even now, like you, you, you can theoretically say the left is his best position, but even now people are still saying, sure, he can play up front at his age. Now he, like he needs to have a position nailed down. We need to know what type of player he is. And I think this is where like, he's still struggling with that. And now, Really, the, chain, the amount of different managers and the amount of different philosophies isn't helping that either. I think in terms of development and like individually, collectively, what parts of his game he's working on. I think having the defensive manager in Mourinho, having a semi-defensive manager in Solskjaer in terms of counter-attack and football. You had Ralph Rangnick who wanted to play gang-gang press. And now, now you have Eric Ten Hag, which is a, like his philosophy is total football. Like If you look at like all them different types of philosophies and styles of play, Marcus Rashford has been, it's been in them. Now that, again, I suppose... If you're a top player, you can adapt to anything. Do you know, like that, 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 that argument is there to be made. But I think if you look at the, how he how he can be maximised, I think some of that as well has to be on the past managers, the football club who've mismanaged some of our younger players in the past. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Rashford's a good example because of his fluctuating form. But you, you've mentioned the different um, philosophies of the different managers and. Really, you're making that argument for everyone in the squad, aren't you? That's a yeah. valid argument for every single player and a valid argument for why we look so disjointed and why already, I'm sure you guys, in fact, I know that you work, so I've seen it in the in our preview pods for this season. We were all saying, all right, it was good to see them playing well in pre-season, but we, we've been down this path before. We've seen them play well in pre-season. It's a very, very different kettle of fish. And Paul Parker, you know, obviously we... Got him on the Monday podcast, but he, 
I th always thought it was being a little bit too harsh with this. He, he called us a lockdown team for a long time, you know, the team that finished second. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people said that, and I thought, oh, do you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, you're getting carried away a little bit as a fan because you finished second in the league. And you think, oh, well, we're second, but one step away from really challenging for the title. And of course, we weren't. The truth is that a lot of those players played better without the pressure of crowds there. And as soon as yeah. the crowds are there, and I, that's not, I'm not saying that that as uh, a slight at these players, by the way, because the pressure of playing for Manchester United is very, very different. We've seen it this week. They're, they're nowhere near in any kind of prediction to win the league, really, in most people's predictions. I looked at most people's predictions, most prominent pundits predict prominent pundits' predictions for the top four for this season. United still aren't anywhere near them. Really, most of them, maybe one or two had United in the top four. So they're nowhere near real. They're really challenging for anything. And yet, they're the only team that's been talked about all week. And that's because they lost the opening game. And that's on, you know, all of these players are having to deal with that kind of pressure. So I do have a little bit of sympathy. Yeah, we were getting on their back a little bit last season as well. You know, saying, oh, all right, you know, you're not good enough, they're not good enough, and blah, 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 blah. Should they bring the changes? Should they bring the young players in? And I know that's probably going to be what you guys are going to be talking about later on. All that sort of stuff. So can you imagine being a United player at this moment in time? Nobody expects you to win anything. You're still expected to turn up and win every game because that's the unique pressure of being United. That's what these players are like when they turn up on, on a Saturday. So, all right, it's all right pre-season where they can, you know, the pressure's not on. But the first 10 minutes, you know, they didn't score. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, God, here we go again. And they're, they're a victim of their own mentality in a way. And I, I don't, again, I'm not saying that as a massive criticism because Lee will know better than either of us um, how unique that pressure is and how um, intense it is and how it can make or break a player. And you don't know until you get him in front of those 70,000 people at Old Trafford what the temperament is like. Some people can stand up to it. And I'm not saying that every player in that squad's like that. If you have four or five who aren't, you know, if they start panicking on the ball, and we definitely we don't have to run through all those play who those players are, if they don't have the composure to play in a United team, um, when patience is required and when you need to control control the game, then you're going to be massively struggling. And United have got too many of those players. And again, I'm not saying that to get on the players' backs. I'm just saying it's a reality. We saw it last season. We've seen it this season as well. Already, there's no point even. I don't feel there's any point in naming names and going after these players because we all know really who they are. It's almost unfair to keep pointing the finger because it's no massive criticism. There are only certain groups of United um, squads in history that have won the league. Do you know what I mean? Not every single player has been able to do it. It's a very unique environment. It's very different to anything at United in, in English football. And this last week has proven that um, from our own fans. And I'm, I'm I do worry sometimes when I look at, and I don't want to say modern fans or fan cam fans or anything like that, but I do wonder when you look at the reaction, when you see the press reaction this week, and a lot of our own fans online have sort of turned against the players, like, oh, blah, blah, the crap again. I wonder how they um, don't see the press reaction, because Fergie would be using that as a siege mentality. Look, everyone's against us. We don't need our own kicking as while we're down as well, but that's what it seems to have been like this week. Yeah, but I think that's where like knee-jerk reaction is. I think in this day and age now, it, it's very prominent. Um, and like, there will always be a section of the fan base that have that knee-jerk reaction. But like that's where I think the generation of like 
again, not like they're discriminating anybody, but like the online fan, match going fan, ever. There's there's different sections of the fan base. So the, a match going fan might have an e-jerk reaction. Maybe certain section of online fans mightn't have an e-jerk reaction. It's just one of them. But again, like some people have their own personal preference in terms of who they're favorite players are and who they might think is good enough shane has a comment here he said rashford should be um at least given this season to see if he can regain form there's no need for united to panic but he if he was to leave i think he'd get back to his best elsewhere do you think with lee the fact that rashford's had such like a poor like poor period of form do you maybe think that like like in terms of from a professional point of view that maybe a change of scenery may be actually what's needed for rashford to kind of soul search and get back to his best 100% mate, we mentioned it in the, in the podcast we did in pre-season, if you remember rightly, this was one of the topics what come up and, and my personal opinion was I would loan him out if, if, if that you know that option come up. Um, like I say, we weren't sure whether he could get back to his form, we'd love him to, we'd love him to do it, like, like we just mentioned about the fan base then and going off what Wayne just said, um, at the minute for me it's very sour, we, we kick a guy while he's down and even when he's doing well and He's going on the up, we still kick him down. And ultimately, we all want the same goal. We all want that guy to get back, no matter who it is, 1 to 11. We still want that, whoever it is, to, you know, get back to form and start playing well for us. Um, and it just seems like a lot of the time we're, we're just happy to, to kick him and kick him and kick him. Um, and I think that's mine to what, what happened a little bit with Rashford. I think his confidence went completely went last season. Um, his touch went, it didn't look like he could take anyone one, one on one. It didn't look, it didn't look fast. He's not. No matter how he was playing, he's still gonna, he's still gonna have that pace to get up and down. And it didn't even look like he had the pace for me. What he had the season before, the season before that, and that for me can only be a confidence thing. Um, Do you maybe I, think from an athletic standpoint, the fact he had a back injury and a shoulder injury, and they had to go for surgery? Do you think that, like maybe athletically, Lee, that maybe he doesn't have that five-yard like burst of pace that that they had previously? Like it, I remember years ago, Fernando Torres got that had a bad knee injury, and he didn't have that burst of pace either years ago. Do you think that, like physically, that maybe hindered him? Possibly, maybe, possibly. But for me, watching him all last season, for me, his confidence was absolutely shot. And again, this is what we mentioned in the podcast in, in pre-season. In, for me, I I would take him away. You know, take him away from the environment, take him away from basically social media, the fan base, to get an absolutely dug out every time he's on the pitch. Let him go to, I don't know, another league, let's say the French League or somewhere like that. Let him get his confidence back up and see what he can do. Then hopefully bring him back in 12 months' time. He's got a different mentality, his confidence will be back up. We might get the last what we had a couple of seasons ago. I don't think keeping him now, especially if he's going to perform the way he performed against Brighton, although he did show glimpses of his old self, he still was nowhere near the player we know he can be. Um, for me, it's a no-brainer get him out there on a loan and um, if we're not going to sell him and, and letting me build his confidence and hopefully get him back as a new player the season after. Yeah, it's interesting, especially with the contract. Like, do we activate that year? And like, it's interesting alone that could maybe rejuvenate. We've seen how that rejuvenate Jesse Lingard for a six month period as well. Um, and obviously, consequently, he didn't come back and play. Obviously, we multitude of options in the attacking midfield position and Jesse didn't play but we've seen how a new lease on like, like a new environment can do benefit a player and it'd be interesting to see um but I suppose like we, we touch we touched on Rashford and look thanks very much guys here Shane and Stuart for your comments so far in the show if you are watching on Facebook and um, don't forget to uh, go over to YouTube and go to www.youtube.com forward slash talk the devils 
Um, do smash that like button and subscribe. We have a lot of podcasts coming up. We also have a post-match um, review tomorrow as well with Mark and guests tomorrow as well. So do be sure to ca- uh, catch that as well. And also uh, subscribe to our audio platforms as well. Um, but we, we, we'll kind of we'll speed it up and we will uh, move on to another topic in terms of like Manchester United this season. Obviously, a new acquisition we got, Christian Eriksen. Um, that he obviously played in a, a different role um, last weekend, kind of was in a false nine slash attack in the field. He was everywhere all over the pitch, um, it seemed, against against Brighton, Wayne. Um, obviously, he's coming back to Brentford so soon after signing for United. Obviously, came back, for, went to Brentford um, after the tra- tragic incident at the Euros that summer, and like he got a new lease in life, and he seemed to be kind of getting back to his best form. And now he's going back to that same environment um, where he kind of, you know, I suppose, rediscovered himself. Um, how do you think Christian Eriksen is going to be feeling this weekend going back to Brentford so soon after signing for United? And where do you think, um, I suppose, where do you think would be the best place for him to play this weekend? Because he did, he kind of struggled as a kind of a false nine. And I, I suppose, like, we touched on Ronaldo in a minute. Like, I'm guessing he probably, Ronaldo probably will play from the start. Um, tomorrow, but for you, would Christian Eriksen be best used as a number ten, um, or as an eight? Um, and also, just touching on uh, going back to Brentford there as well. Yeah, no, I think I think you like going back. I, from everything that I've heard of the noises from the Brentford fans, I don't think they're very happy that he, he left and came to United. I know um, Natalie Sawyer, who's probably the the most high profile Brentford fan I can think of. They might be more high profile, but um, we follow each other on Twitter, so and I saw her reaction. She wasn't very happy about it, um, and I was like, "Well, why? Because he didn't have any. You know, his, his contract was up. Do you know, he served his six months. And yeah, all right. They they did offer him a place in the, you know, place to come back into football after it seemed like he was lost. But you know, they utilized their connections very well. You know, they got a Danish contingent there. You know what I mean? They exercised that. He didn't go to Brentford because he loves Brentford Football Club. He went because of you know, they were able to lean on their connections and give, you know bring a talented player who wouldn't normally have looked at going to Brentford and you know it worked out well for both of them so I hope that he does get a good reception because he, he did a lot and you know played well for against them well. Well. yeah yeah he, he was he was fantastic uh, for them um actually yeah he was very 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 lost in the first game against Brighton I didn't think it was a a wise tactical move from the manager. I felt, I felt, you know, false nine. He was completely lost. United, by the way, had no presence in the middle whatsoever. So whatever they were hoping to achieve by having him in there, it just didn't work either way because you just you lost. You had nothing in the front line and you lost Ericsson from the midfield. So I don't know what you, you what you gained from that at all. Um, all that I seem to get from that was that Ten Hag doesn't fancy Rashford as a striker because the more obvious switch would be just to have. Ericsson play narrow, narrow on the left, and have Shaw bomb down the the left side of him. You know, it seemed very, very. That would have been the logical thing for me to do, but I'm not a football manager. Eric Tenog is, and he went with this split forward thing. Uh, we've seen it before, but it didn't work. Uh, you know, there, there was no presence there whatsoever from Ericsson, and and, and I'm not criticising him. By the way, again, I've got to keep saying that I'm not criticising Ericsson. He's not a centre forward, so in that position. He was going to be lost. He was always going to be lost. We saw when he moved position in the second half that he, he starts to have a massive influence on the game. You know, his quality of delivery is so good. 
we all know that Pogba could deliver a fantastic pass, but he, he was like on his day that he could do that. Ericsson it does that in his sleep if you get him in the right positions. That's how good he is. And it's so refreshing to see someone who consistently does it. It's like he doesn't know how to put a bad ball in, which is, you know, a, a real asset for us to have. It's just wasted when he's playing as a false nine because you're just losing, you're losing a striker and you're losing Ericsson from midfield. So um, I hope that Tenog doesn't go down that route again. Ericsson, for me, I think in this position, play him, play him in some kind of withdrawn from the left position, or maybe even even on the right. You know, the, he's playing this three-man midfield. The anchor, who I'm going to presume is going to be Fred Fernandez to the left of him, and um, and Ericsson to the right of him. You know, with Sancho, Rashford, possibly Rashford, or possibly Alanga, possibly Garnacho. And Ronaldo, you would presume, considering everything they said in the press conference, Ronaldo playing. But yeah, I, I did think it was a mistake. I didn't think he got the best out of him, but I don't think he'll do it again. Yeah, I think that's something that I think that experiment of playing Ericsson false nine is not going to happen again. Um, especially when, like, last time Ericsson actually played there was nine years ago for Spurs. That was the last time he played as a, as a false nine. I always seen that stat a couple of days ago, like, and well, I thought, like, to myself, when I, saw, when I saw the lineup, I thought Bruno was going to be the false nine because I thought he'd be more acclimatized to playing that than, um, than Christian Eriksen. Um, Richard is in the comments, says, Good evening, Jensen, with Sonny Gorton. It seems to be sunny everywhere. The heat, the, the heat wave here in Ireland, and the lads we've just done about for the podcast as well, it's absolutely sun is splitting rocks in the UK as well. So, hope everyone is enjoying the weather and thanks for tuning in during this heat wave, lads. Thanks very much and thanks, lads, for coming on. Um, yeah, Lee, like in terms of Ericsson kind of going back to the former club, have you ever experienced that yourself um, as a professional, like going back for a former team and playing you know, Like, what, what's that feeling like? The only time I ever, I only ever went to, I was at United from being nine year old um, till 21. So I was at the same club really all my professional career. The only thing I did was uh, go out on loan at Shrewsbury um, after he won the FA Youth Cup final. Uh, and we did end up having a behind closed doors games against Shrewsbury, um, but there was no fans, so it was great to see the lads and and, and you know and go go back to uh, the game. I don't was called at the time, you know, and, and play a game against them. But uh, now nah, I've never done it personally, but it's got to be some kind of experience, you know. Um, I weren't aware of what Wayne was saying that the Brentford fans were, you know. I thought he would have got a great reception when he went back. If I'm being 100 percent honest with you, but it seems like it's going to be a bit. Uh, a bit on the ropey side, but even so, you know, is um, the way he played for them last season, the way he was in midfield, yeah, he, uh, he did really, really well for them, um, and they should show a bit of respect for that too. So hopefully, he gets you know a decent, a decent round of applause, and and they show him a little bit of respect for what he did last year. Um, moving on to positional wise, I just I, I could not get in my head why we was playing Everton as a false nine when that team sheet come out. Um, and like I say, I was I was actually playing a game myself. I, I, as soon as it finished, I went off the pitch, and the first thing I seen was Ericsson was playing a false nine. I thought, what where the where's this come from? You know, I like you like you mentioned. I would have much, I wouldn't say preferred, but I would have I would have I would have thought a lot more that he would have played Bruno up there as he's yeah. I've played a part as well. Yeah, and touches on what Wayne said. He's got all the ability in the world to find any pass. You know, his 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 vision and his technique on the ball. Um, is second to none. It's probably probably the best we've got 
on our squad at the moment to, 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 to do what he does. Um, I think the problem, the major problem is, is the players around him now. You know, we've 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 got that we've got that midfield player who can who can create something out of nothing. You know, that doesn't lose the ball. Bruno can create something out of nothing, but how many times does you know the ball get cut out or get took off him or he tries something and it doesn't come off? Um, we've got someone who will do that, but ultimately, you know, the ball will find feet, the ball will find position. We just need the players to perform around him. Um, unfortunately, like we've mentioned earlier on in the podcast, we still seem to have the same guys starting around him as we did, you know, at, at the end of last season. Um, is it going to improve? You know, is it unless we get another couple of signings before the end of the window, uh, decent signings to, you know, real good signings, is, is he going to improve us um, overall? Or do we need more? In my opinion, we need we need more. I think Vanjit summed it up perfectly well. Um, you know, we needed eight, nine, ten lads. And it sounds like an exaggeration, but for me, I think he hit the nail on the head. With the lads who we've had and how long they've been for, and how many chances they've had now, if we've still got the same core lads in there um, and not really freshened it up any, we're not gonna we're not gonna improve and we're gonna carry on with the same results. Um I think this next couple of weeks are gonna be crucial to how our season goes. If we've been getting one in, I think if we don't, I think if we get top four, it you know, it, it's it's the maximum we can aim for. Yeah, I think top four is definitely where we want to be this season. Obviously, look, every year you want to win the league, but like you need to be a realistic fan and say, like, look, that's Look, that's just not going to be a possibility. Um, yeah, I think the, ro- the roles between Bruno and, and Ericsson, I think, were wrong last weekend. But I think, look, that's what Ten Hag wanted to go with last week. You'd, like, you'd, you'd put your trust in them and, look, it didn't work out. Look, I think with the false line system as well, um, you ne- I think for me, watching the way City do it, um, and even Liverpool to the extent, you need to have a good midfield to play a false line. You need to have midfielders who can retain possession and obviously play between the lines and be intricate with the passing. Obviously, McTominay and Fred are not going to give you that. Um, so I think when you play a false nine with them in the system, you kind of have a deficiency um, because you've no one in the box making them runs when you do have the chance to make that pass. I think we've seen that when Bruno and Eriksson both dropped off to make passes into the box and they're kind of whipping balls in aimlessly that there was no presence there. Um, and there was no... like. If I look at the forward runs that Sancho and Rashford were making, I don't think they're making the the correct runs for a false nine to work. Like if you look, we haven't, got, we haven't got, for me, excuse me, we haven't got the squad to play a false nine. Um, yeah, it's fortunate that we've only got one striker as as we've got Cristiano Ronaldo uh, because, let's say, Martial's come back but he's injured again. Uh, how many games we're going to get out of him this season? For me, and we've been we've been shouting out for it now for so long. We need a focal point up front. With the squad's not good enough. We're not a Man City who, you know, can still win the league without having an out-and-out striker like they did the other season. We need an out-and-out striker, someone who's, you know, going to be up there, who's going to hold the ball up, he's going to get into positions. The lads we've got in and around the, the forward players at the moment, for me, we we don't have the squad and we don't have the players who can adapt and who can play that role because they're just not good enough at the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're not good enough and I think that's where recruitment is going to have to come into it. I know, look, we'll touch on transfer business as well briefly before the end of the stream as well because obviously there's the Adrian Rabio links I want to get your thoughts on that obviously the Frankie de Jong saga look when I'm going to touch on that tonight because it's just it look it's 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 kind of getting on my nerves this transfer saga tonight so we won't um do a touch on um that today but um I want to touch on Ronaldo you brought Ronaldo up um 
I know we're going to talk about like his role in the team going forward, and um, but I just want to touch on this because I just I literally just seen it on 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 socials here on the site here in terms of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, at thirty seven years of age, he's been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Um, considering the season Manchester United have had, um, like what what do you make of Ronaldo being nominated for the Ballon d'Or, and is this a testament to his like? attitude as a professional and his overall quality considering that he scored that many goals in, in probably the most dysfunctional United team in the last 30 years uh, it's, a, it's an absolutely unbelievable achievement in it you know what I mean he, like I say, he's the same age as me and I'm still hurting from last Sunday you know what I mean so when you look at it in, in, in you put it in the contents of, of what he's achieved over his career and how good he's been for, for the longevity of, of what he's done you know it, it's a testament to how he's looked after himself uh, the professionalism from even back in the day when I used to play with him was, was second to none. Uh, and obviously that's probably just gone better and gone up and up and up throughout the years, you know what I mean? Um, there's no one in world football for me what what, is, what can rival what he's done over the last 15, 16, 17 years, however long he's done it. And to be nominated now in probably the worst Man United team I've certainly ever come across and to score the amount of goals he did with the players around him, with the lack of creativity around him, you know, it is testament to what kind of guy he is. Um, I just wish it was five years ago that we had him and not, not at 37 years old. You know what I mean? Um, there's not much more you can say. Is there? He's, I, I, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot of people's idols. He's, he's been the best for a long, long time. And he's still up there with the best. Um, it's just now, it's an urban for me. And we mentioned it on the last podcast, do, do we? Do we carry on with him? It's going to look like we're going to have to, isn't it? You know what I mean? If if we could have, in my personal opinion, if we could have brought a young a young striker in, or it, not even a young striker, if we would have done what City had done and brought a Harland in, I'd have moved him on all day long and not thought about it. Because, again, put sentiment aside, we need to think of the team and the bigger picture. And how do we get ourselves from a, a club which we, we, the fans are going to be made up if we get European football? We're Man United. We, we, we can't have this mindset. Um, but that's what's creeping in. For me, you know, it's second was never good enough. Third was definitely never good enough when I was playing. And now, our, our, our hopes are clinging on a bit of a cup run. And can we finish in the top four? And that's just showing for me the downward spiral Man United's on. And uh, we, can, we can call the lads, you know, and it, ultimately, you've got to put 11 lads on there and they've got to perform. But it is coming from the top. And it's plain and simple for everyone to see. It, it's coming directly for me from the top, you know, it's, we're still in bazillions of debt. Um, we're, we're taking dividends out of the club. We're, it's, it's got to be the worst time in Man United history that we should be taking any kind of dividends out of our club. The money should be getting put straight back in for a rebuild. And when I watched uh, the interview today with Tenag, and he said, are you on the same page with the guys above? And for me, it wasn't convincing. He just said, yeah, Next question for me, I weren't convinced that he is on the same. Yeah, his body language there suggested to me he wasn't happy about the recruitment no, this summer. No. And how could he be? No, no, he can't be. Like I say, he's got a few young, he's got this Malakia in, fair enough, young lad left back. Um, Ericsson, great signing on a three, fantastic, you know what I mean. Martinez, not seen much of him, but Ajax is player of the year last year, so he's got to have a bit about him, you know, it's, it's decent players, but I'm sure they weren't the first three names on his sheet when he wanted when he comes to Man United. So, is he getting the support? Probably not. Are we going to, as a club, going to get out the rut 
what we're in and what we've been in for a long time. And when I say a long time, it's going down and down each season. It, you know, it's not staying at, you know, can we get into top two, three? We, we, like I say, we're not even in, we're in the Europa League this year and we was lucky to get into the Europa League. Very lucky. Well, thank, um, we can actually thank our, the team that defeated us on Sunday for that, for beating West Ham on the final day of the season. But we, we, all, we all thought with the season we had that surely even even the the with the owners what we've got they're going to have to do something they're going to have to you know they're going to have to logically spend some money and get our club back to where it is and it doesn't seem like they still want to do it and um, like I say hopefully we're going to get some guys on soon and have a chat with some guys who know a lot more about it than us um, you know and uh, can give us a bit more insight into it yeah absolutely we have invited the 1958 to come on um, and talk to us with regards to the Glades South movement um, because quite frankly what they're doing at the moment is, is fantastic in terms of the movement against their current ownership because the ownership are absolute scum and like you know it's great to see that there is someone do, trying to do something about it. so we have invited them on hopefully we can get them on um, within the next week or so um, but like with, with regards obviously the situation of the club Lee I think the way the recruitment has gone this season, obviously Ten Hag can't be happy. I think if you look at the like the rebuild that needs to be done, I think well Ralph Rangnick saying ten players, I think that was always going to be unrealistic, but you can see from a stretch what he meant in terms of like long term um rebuilding. Um Rennie Mullenstein spoke to Wayne actually this morning. <laughs> they were just released um on Talk Devil's website. Do check the article out, guys. Um they spoke about Alejandro Garnacho, and we're obviously talking about rebuilding at the moment. We're talking about trying, I suppose, trying to put some players, some vibrant players into the system who will seal Ten Hag's kind of total football style. We've seen him over preseason, and he like he's been fantastic. We've seen him with the twenty threes last season. He was a Sandell player. We're, if we're looking at the form of Rashford, and we're looking at maybe the form of Langa, both our forms have kind of you know went Pete Tong in the last kind of couple of months. Do you think Alejandro Garnacho can be that kind of player who can give? I suppose the team that extra spark of quality, but also kind of, you know, be that X factor because it seems like, like as you mentioned, Rashford is failing to beat players. He like and he's losing the confidence to take him on. Like Renny Mullenstein quite 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 rightly said that Joe you know, Garnacho can be that spark and he can be that Joe you know, that player like a young Cristiano coming into the team. Like, do you think that Garnacho can be that player um, this season? I certainly also mate that. There's two ways for me. There's two ways of looking at it. You know, we brought Alanga in because um, it was kind of a needs must last year, and he started off on fire. Um, and we was all saying the same about Alanga. Um, the minute he had a couple of bad games, the fan base absolutely slated him, and it probably you know what I mean. I, I worry about young lads at United this day and age, where you know they get built up and built up and built up, and the minute you know they show a little bit of vulnerability or a little bit of naivety because you know they're not used to playing at such a high level. We build them up so high, and then we knock them off the pedestal so quickly. Um, so there's that way of looking at it. But then the other way is the famous saying: if you're if you're good enough, you you're old enough, you know. And certainly, what I've seen of him in the under 23s and in pre-season, um, and the noise being made around him, he uh, certainly looks like he's got the ability. He looks like he's got the confidence. He doesn't look like he's uh, a shy kid. Who, you know, needs his confidence building up. I think he'll. He'll, he'll give it 100% when he's on there. The skill level looks amazing. It looks quick. Um, and like I say, it's probably worth giving him a chance, um, especially with Rashford at the moment. If, if if he doesn't find his form soon, like I said, we, we've, got to, we, we've got to be careful of not getting ahead of ourselves. We've had one game. 
You know what I mean? It's it's been one game, and Brighton have always been a tough team for any any Premier League team to beat. They, they set up well, they're well drilled. The managers are fantastic. In my eyes, he's a fantastic manager. Uh, he gets the best out of his players. Um, they've moved a couple of lads on, um, and I thought the, the the guy in midfield was his name, Carcedo. I thought he was excellent. Yeah. He's Ecuadorian. Um, he's a an excellent player in midfield. So we can't get ahead of ourselves too much and get too disappointed. Um, I mean, look at us. Last year, we hammered Leeds five. Was it five one in the first yeah. game? Um, we all thought we were going to win the league, and look what happened last season. So we can't just go on, you know, the first the first game of the season and, and, and take it from there. We've got to let the lads bed in, um, get a structure. Um, obviously, it didn't help with Ronaldo Wally coming back as late as he has. If he is going to stay, um, because in pre-season when I was there, that was he was building a team ready for the start of you know the start of the the season and. If we've had the disruption there were we've had Martial come back, he's now injured. We've had no Cristiano Ronaldo. We've not really formed any kind of of, of team to, to get ready for the start, if you if you understand where I'm coming from with that. So it may yeah. take a, may take a couple of uh, a couple more weeks and a couple of training sessions to come to come to. I'm I'm hoping and feeling my hopes and that's all it's gonna be. But I do I do feel like we need more signings, mate. I I, I really do don't think with the, the overall squad of players we've got that we're gonna be Anywhere near that top four, if 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 this is all we've got, if I'm being honest. Yeah, like I think, like in like I do agree, with Wayne. Like the pay, need for patience is is spot on. Um, but like I think, even if we do recruit, let's say Frankie De Jong, Adrian Rabio, and let's say I know Ten Hag wants a right back and a striker. Let's say we miss out the centre forward, but we do get let's say Rabio. Let's say, but. If De Jong, if Barcelona don't get out their 700 lever, financial lever, and they have to sell De Jong, then let's say we get De Jong, Rabio, and the fullback in. I still think we're, even, I think top forces are tough ask. I think Spurs are that good this season. I think Chelsea, they're, they're still going to recruit. Todd Bowley's like playing football manager over there at the moment and buying everyone. Um, City are City and Liverpool are Liverpool at the minute. Like I think the closing the gap this season, I think is going to be tough. Even if we, Ten Hag does get his, all of his targets, but even like by the looks things with the trajectory, the way summer is going, he probably isn't. So it's going to be a tough ask, you know, for Ten Hag to get them players um, in the door. Um, just before we get a quick start eleven and score prediction, um, you know, from yourself, Lee, I just want to get your just brief thoughts on Adrian Rabio. Obviously, his link has come out this week. John Marta looks like he's just. Leaving Turin today, looking look, looking like we're closing out the deal for him. Um, obviously he's not Frankie De Jong. He's not the quality of Frankie De Jong. Um, but what what are your thoughts on the recruitment to him, considering our midfield kind of crisis at the minute? It's an odd one because I don't. I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. I don't know much about him. Um, I've seen Lou McCurry absolutely turn a new one in today on MUTV. And when you listen to what Lou McCurry says, I know we've all took it as a bit of a laugh and a joke. But if you listen to the points. It kind of makes sense. Why is no one else in Europe after him? And then the 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 guy at MUTV said, "Well, Monaco's after him. Who else? You know what I mean? It's for me, no. For for me, it's not the type of player we need. I've looked at some stats, uh, and it was against him, Fred and McTominay. And I know stats. You know, you can't really go off stats where well a player does because if you take the stats from the Brighton game again, this is one thing I was going to get in. What I got in all last season, we had more possession." kept the ball a lot better than them. We had more shots in them, more shots on target and we still got beat. So obviously stats don't 
round up a complete player. But his stats were a lot less than McTominay's and Fred's was last year on more or less everything. And to to bring a player in with, like I say, it's, it's getting to start to like getting dribble, pass, keeping possession, few balls, this, that, and the other goals. He didn't score a goal last year, did he? he didn't score a goal. Didn't make many, as, as, as I'm, I'm led to believe. Um, no, not for me, mate. Not for me, unfortunately. I'd, I'd want to... I'd want to. I want to say a more a bigger profile player, but someone what looks like they've got probably more potential than what we've got. Are we signing someone just for signing sake? Because he's he's been in around Juve and he's been in around the French squad, and it, you know, are we, are we just signing someone because he's a bit of a name? Which personally, I want to stay away from. Um, I think I think Rabiot. It's an interesting one. I think if it's Rabiot and no one else, I think that's underwhelming. But I think if you get Rabiot and let's say, it, let's say Frankie De Jong's not. Not going to happen. Let's say Chelsea get more for whatever reason. Barcelona take out whatever lever, and he stays. Um, I think Rabi on his own would be underwhelming. I think stats can be misleading at times. Yeah, that, but, no, I get that. I get that with his stats. But like I said, when you're putting up, we're, we're, we're absolutely hammering it home that we need to replace McTominay and Fred, and then his stats are lower than him. It's like, wow, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think if the, the fact we play midfield too, if we get like a Sangari or Neves in beside him. Our midfield is much more compact. Than so I, was just more gonna, I was just going to say, I yeah. think it comes down to, do we want a Rabi or, for me, 120% I'd rather sign Ruben Nevis. Do you know what I mean? Which probably would have been, if they would have pursued that at the beginning of the transfer, they'd probably be playing in our midfield tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just, just begs belief for me why we've not gone for someone who's, who's actually proven in the Premier League. We know we can do it. We know what he brings to the table. You know, apart from someone who's never played Premier League football before, he... Does it look well? It may fit in, it may not, but it's it's a bit of an unknown for me. By someone who's proven, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's where like there. I think with Rabio coming in, I think the question marks are going to be there. I just think if we are to get him, it can't be just him alone. We have to get someone in beside him because he's decent on the ball. He is strong, and like you know, he is good. But is he? He's single-handedly going to turn around and refuse. No, he's not. I think if you get him and get Sangari, Neves, or even Frankie De Jong, let's say, you have De Jong and Rabiot in the two and then Bruno in front of him, all of a sudden that midfield has balance and that midfield can keep the ball, can keep it ticking. But, yeah, if let's say we play Rabiot and Fred or Rabiot and McTominay, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And when, when it comes out the other day, that was Rabiot and Arnautovic. I just, I, all I could do was shake my head and think, what are we doing? That, that was my, that was my first, you know, my, the way yeah. I felt, my first opinion on it is what, what the hell are we doing? We've gone from looking at what we were looking at at the beginning of the season to then signing these two. For me, it, it was a, it was no good for me. You went looking at like one of the best players in the world and Frankie De Jong and then you're looking at um, Rabio and, and, and Arnautovic. Now, thankfully Ar- Arnautovic isn't going to be, um, isn't isn't going to be signing for us? Thank God. Obviously, there is. He had a lot of um controversy where he had racism and sexism and um, controversies with him. So I'm glad the fan base did push the club and um, not to sign him. I'm glad he didn't sign. And not only that, his ability as well. He's not good enough to play for United anyway. But you know the things that were attached to him. I didn't want the type that a player of that character um playing for a football club. But Lee, we will touch on starting 11 and scoring predictions. Now, um, I will be keeping the table this week. Just for anyone who's watching this podcast for the first particular time, I have a league table for me, Lee, and Phil's um, score predictions um, for the season. Now, last season, Phil trounced me and Lee. 
And um, now, luckily, me and Lee are still on, on level with Phil because we all predicted the United win last week and we got bet. So we're all still nil 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 at the minute. So we'll get score predictions at the end of the podcast, and we'll get Phil starting eleven as well um, from him and his score prediction in our group chat. We will post it um, for you on socials. But um, Lee, first of all, <laughs> give me your eleven. Um, on, on the back of the Brighton game last weekend, and give me the eleven you think that'll be Brent, uh, beat Brentford tomorrow. I, I, I'll give you two. I'll give you my eleven. What I would start, but don't take that as my eleven because um, I would, and I'll give you the eleven. What I think ten. I will start just for the league, basically. So my eleven would be the game in the nets. I'd put the young lad in Malaki at left back. Um, I'd is, is Bayer fit? Boy, yeah, is he fit? Yeah. I never know whether he's fit or not, but if he was fit, I'd put Bayer in with rather Maguire or Uh I'd put Dallow at right back. I'd put a, free, a midfield three of Bruno Eriksson and Martinez. Uh, and up front, I'd go with centre-forward of Ronaldo, right, Sanchez, Garnaccio on the left. That's what I would go with personally. To shake Ooh. the team up a little bit, you know, to, to have a little bit, a, a look at something a little bit different. Um, I think Bayer, I've never hid the fact, I think that if he gets a run of games and he can be coached properly, I think, and, and staying free could be a fantastic centre-back. Uh, we're crying out for a defensive midfield player. Let's have a look at this Martinez. Though. I believe he's played there a few times and played well though. Um, that's what I would do personally. Beginning of the season, I'd have a look at it. But I don't think he'll go with that. I think he'll go with the game in nets. I think he'll go with Luke Short, left-back. Martinez, Maguire and Dallow. Um, I think I'll go with Fred as the older midfield player. Um, with Fernandez on the left of midfield and Eriksen on the right. Um, and I think he'll go with Sanchez up top on the right. Rashford up left and... Ronaldo up from. Interesting, interesting. So that Lee has given us two lineups. You guys in the comments who are watching, do give us your lineups as well. Um, and we, we will um, discuss them in the comments here as well. For me, I'm going to give what I would go with. Now, I know Ten Hag won't go with this, but I'm going to go give what I would go with. Um, just quite simply, just based off, I think, balance and help trying to help the team progress. I would personally go with... Um, I have to say De Gea and Nets because we've no one else. Until we get a keeper, as soon as we get a keeper who can sweep and pass the ball and come out for corners, I'd be dropping him straight away. I'm going to be brutally honest about that, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, by default, Diogo Dallo has to get into the team because Wan-Bissaka, like Ten Hag, is isolating him and Eaton Laird has gone on low to QPR. So Dallo is there. Um, I'd go um, Harry Maguire and Raphael Varane. Um, a centre half. Um, I'd go Malasia left back. Um, I'd go I'd go Martinez and Eriksen in midfield, and um, with Bruno in front of him. And um, I have Eriksen playing in the eight, and um, Bruno ten. And um, I'd go Sancho. I'd go Ronaldo and Rashford. Um, on the left. Now you could go Garnacho instead of Rashford as well. And um, with the five subs, I do see Garnacho getting a game tomorrow. Um, at some stage. Um, in the day. Um, because he is. Um fantastic footballer and it'd be great to see him and um, you know get 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 a game because I think especially the way Brentford play like you know, if Brentford do play a high line I think Garnacho could be a player to exploit that and um, with his pace but also his his ability to dribble. Um now I think Martinez is probably going to play centre half and you'll see Fred and Eriksen I think in midfield tomorrow. I do think Scott McTominay is going to be dropped tomorrow. I really do um just considering the way like the reports coming out saying this week that he's not happy with Fred and McTominay and um, 
look, McTominay's performance the other day was absolutely abysmal, so I don't see how he can get back into the team this weekend. But we shall see. But Lee, um, I will need I will need to get your score prediction. And um, now we all predicted that Man United win last week. We all had egg in our faces um, last Sunday at four o'clock. Are you going to predict the Man United win um, this week? Very, very, very reluctantly, yeah. Um, we've, I don't think none of us have ever, ever gone for a United defeat, no matter who we've played. Uh, I don't want to start doing it now because we should not be getting beat off Brentford. We should not. I'll repeat it. We should not be getting beat off Brentford. Um, so I'm going to go with a hopeful 2-0. Hopeful to and a clean sheet that is positivity. And um, I love to see. I'm gonna go 2 1. I know I went 2 I went 3 1 last week in the comments last week, but and um, I'm gonna go 2 1. I do think Brentford are gonna score first tomorrow. I think we're gonna be shitting ourselves again. Sorry, late Wayne, we will be crapping our pants next week. Uh, sorry, not next week, tomorrow. Um, if Brentford do get the first goal, but I do see Ronaldo pulling it out for us. Um, tomorrow because of all the talk and all the headlines of what's going on um, I do see Ronaldo getting a brace tomorrow and we'll see Man United get three points but it's not going to be looking good going into Liverpool um, but yeah look that there's our score prediction guys in the comments or if you're watching on the replay or if you're um, don't watching on Facebook or any of our audio platforms as well do give your feedback on your team predictions and score predictions and don't forget to check out Mark's and um, match and uh, post match podcast tomorrow, and um, right after the game, and um, you'll be sure to catch that as well. Um, and do uh, catch uh, our Twitter page as well, Talk the Devils and um, Twitter page. We do post news up there, and we also have the podcasts and everything else up there as well. The news, and don't forget to check out Wayne's um, interview with Renny Mullenstein as well. That's on our website, talkthedevils.co.uk. But thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you all have a good weekend. Enjoy the weather while it's there. And let's hope Man United get the three points tomorrow. We're all happy this weekend. But until then, guys, we'll see you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.